0: This is E2B, Energy to Business, a podcast by Opportune, where we bring you in-house expertise that serves all energy sectors. We examine emerging financial and technology trends and provide a broad perspective on ways to stay ahead, create opportunities, and execute market strategies. Hello and welcome to E2B, Energy to Business, a podcast by OPPORTUNE. Today's podcast is a conversation with Katie Rose Hurd, Director at OPPORTUNE, and Steve Bradford, Managing Director at OPPORTUNE, about automation as a piece of a company's digital transformation initiative. So Katie Rose and Steve, thank you so much for joining me here on the podcast. Glad to be here.
1: Good to be talking with you.
0: Absolutely. Well, I'm excited to, to dive in and, and get into this topic um, as it relates to the oil and gas industry. And so, uh, Katie Rose, how does automation and robotic process automation fit into the overall picture of a company's digital transformation initiative?
2: So, robotics process automation or um, RPA is it's just one piece of the puzzle to an organization's um, digital transformation journey. Uh, there are a lot of uh, solutions out there that organizations are experimenting with and trying to adopt and see how it fits into their business. Cloud solutions, mobility, blockchain, artificial intelligence, natural language processing. Um, and RPA is just one of those tools that is available. And I think currently organizations globally are looking to see how they can adopt RPA to be more agile and more efficient when there are disruptions and outages to the business.
0: Absolutely, yeah. This is this is one piece to a uh, to a larger puzzle for sure. So, Steve, uh, give me an idea of some of the RPA software products that are on the market. I, I know there are a lot, so uh, so condense it down and give us an idea of of some of the big players.
1: Yeah, there's probably three that tend to. Uh, you know, surface and and come to the top uh, when it comes to RPA software products. Uh, Blue Prism is one of those, Automation Anywhere, uh, as well as UiPath. And those are the ones that we predominantly see being adopted, especially within the energy sector.
0: Mm-hmm. So, these products have been um, in place and have been adopted in the financial sector for for a few years now, uh, but it's just now kind of becoming in, in vogue for the energy sector. So, Steve, from your perspective, what types of things can the energy sector learn from the way that the financial sector deployed these products?
1: yeah indeed and i guess to that point right the financial sector arguably has been at this i would say arguably somewhere seven or eight years into their journey right mm-hmm. uh, where energies probably started many of them uh, started on a global basis really starting to adopt rpa in a in a meaningful way over the last three to four years um so i guess with that head start right the financial sector itself um has certainly proven out the products, helped each of the software vendors uh, ensure that their products are both feature rich and able to provide the level of automation uh, necessary uh, for you know complex uh, system landscapes, but also um, uh, have dealt with scalability issues um, so that certainly the energy clients drafting behind the financial sector can certainly benefit from the fact that they're um, going to be deploying a, a software framework that's going to be far more scalable over the long haul. Mm-hmm. In terms of the, I, I would say some of the lessons learned from the financial sector, um, there's probably two or three that are probably worth noting. I think one has to do with when you first begin your uh, your journey, if you will, within RPA is investing in that technology framework and infrastructure up front, not viewing it just as the first two or three processes that we want to automate, but how do we establish an RPA infrastructure that's going to be scalable over time mm-hmm. and allow us to grow with allow the RPA framework to grow alongside the business. Uh, I think the second major lesson learned from the financial sector, uh, and energy is also starting to see this as well, is not automating inefficiencies in the process, just to automate the process. So you do need to upfront, as you're designing an RPA process, take a step back, look at that process and make sure that the process itself, uh, that's been done for years in a certain way by the human workforce um, is actually the most efficient way to perform that given activity. Often we find that a heavy dose of re-engineering the process can be incorporated uh, with the RPA uh, digitization exercise. Uh, and I think the last one is establishing an effective governance structure for RPA up front. Um, that is not an IT governance structure, but is a business-led governance structure that uh, over the long haul can can make sure that RPA is, is continuing to be used in an effective way for the organization.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, and I agree with that. I think it's You know those last two points are very important because like you said when you go through and you start really deep diving into the processes that exist oftentimes you find out that they aren't good processes so rpa will only you know it will perform the same bad process it will just do it faster
0: yeah that's that's a really good way of putting it that that if you put in inefficient uh processes you know it's 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 not going to all of a sudden correct those it's just going to continue doing that um, and so I think that's a really important thing to point out. And, and Steve, you brought up, uh, you brought up governance. Tell me a little bit more about why governance is a crucial part of ensuring the long-term success of RPAs. Can we go into a little bit more detail about that?
1: Yeah, sure. In terms of governance, I would say, you know, as you start down the journey, no doubt you're going to set up an initial project that's going to take on establishing again the RPA framework and infrastructure and begin automating uh, a handful of processes to establish momentum and uh, prove what the RPA technology can do for an organization. I think when it comes to long-term governance, I think there's a A distinction that i like to draw between project governance and evolving that towards just a long term rpa governance process that's really going to look at what happens next right i think you're going to skill up your workforce both on the it side as well as the business side on what rpa is and how to effectively automate processes within an RPA tool itself. And then once you've established, if you will, skilled resources that are able to uh, take on new automations, the question becomes, well, what happens next and where should we, if you will, devote those Resources next, right? It's a prioritization exercise. So where are we going to get the best benefit and ensure that the the factory, the RPA factory, is is put to good use uh, on the next and most beneficial processes that are worth automating.
2: Yeah, and I think governance is also, you know, the role is to kind of to help the business start thinking about their workforce in two different categories. You know, so when you introduce RPA, you now have a digital workforce, and then, of course, you have your human workforce. And when you start thinking about it differently, you start thinking about how you allocate your resources and where you should allocate that work and going forward. An example would be uh, new processes that are introduced as a result of new regulatory requirements. And sometimes these new tasks can be allocated to a bot rather than adding another thing to a, you know a human's to-do list and people should start asking themselves you know the question who should do the work or parts of the work process
0: right that, that makes a lot of sense to do that on the front end rather than thinking about it as an afterthought right to have that foresight i think seems to make a lot of sense just from a procedural standpoint um, to make sure that, that rather than doing this later that it's done early on in the process right Right, correct. So, you know, I, I think that it can be helpful for people to hear examples of how this has been deployed successfully in, in different organizations. And so I understand there's going to be confidentiality type um, concerns. So without naming any names of, uh, of, of clients, uh, you know, how have you seen your clients deploy these solutions successfully? Do you have any examples of that?
2: So I've recently worked um, on a project. And their supply and trading organization, where we did deploy several bots to aid in their scheduling coordination organization. Some of the key factors to um, the success of the bots were some points that we've already made previously that, you know, extreme due diligence upfront really analyzing and scoping out which processes are good candidates for automation. Like we said, you don't want to automate a bad process. In the process of going through the scoping and due diligence exercise, we did identify several things the business were doing that they could have been doing better. They didn't necessarily need to be automated. Um, They just needed to change the, the way they had been doing it for years. And that was um, unplanned benefit from that exercise. I think the next thing is, you know, making sure that we had the correct people in the room when we were having these scoping exercises was something that contributed to the solution's success. Making sure that you know we had experienced people in the room that knew the process inside out and could tell us exactly what needed to be automated, which pieces of the workflow sure. and also ensured that we were automating the correct processes. They also helped us, you know, evaluate the payback period for each process and the return on investment which helped us in the prioritization of determining which of these kind of long lists of processes we wanted to tackle first. And then I think another key to the success is You know, having buy-in from the business users, building their confidence, having them involved um, throughout the entire development, the entire project lifecycle, so that at the end, you aren't just kind of dumping this new technology on their desk and saying you have to use it. They were already knowledgeable about what the bot was doing and what the results were going to be. And I think those are some of the things that can contribute to any RPA imp- implementation success.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, as we begin to, to wrap up, I want to open up the, the floor to both of you to answer this next question, um, however you, you want to answer it. And, and kind of uh, as, as we close things out, Cast and I more towards the future. So do you view RPAs as the future of oil and gas? And if so, just kind of give us a little idea of what that future looks like.
1: Sure. I'll, I'll kind of give you my impressions. I think the oil and gas sector and, and given the, you know, our recent pandemic times and the, the macroeconomic environment that we're going to be operating in over the next few months or possibly years is going to continue to exert a lot of cost pressure on organizations and RPA is going to play an important part in ensuring that uh, organizations, especially our energy clients, are going to be able to either perform processes more efficiently uh, from a cost takeout perspective, or at least be able to maintain uh, and take on more work with their existing uh, human workforce uh, and cost structures from a labor perspective. So, I think as, as we move forward and then and look at oil and gas sector and the the cost pressures that are going to con- continue to be headwinds for uh, the, our energy clients. I think RPA plays an important part uh, in ensuring that they're able to remain competitive and uh, profitable.
2: Yes, and I think with you know the wave of digital transformation, companies are continuing to explore how they be- can become more agile. You know, as our world is ever changing and RPA is something that can assist and be a tool in their tool belt.
0: Absolutely, well, Katie Rose Hurd, Director at Opportune and Steve Bradford, Managing Director at Opportune. Thank you guys so much for joining me here on E2B, Energy to Business, um, and sharing your thoughts on on RPA and what the future looks like uh, for the energy sector. So thank you guys so much. Thank you. Thank you. Absolutely. And everyone, thank you so much for joining us for this episode of E2B. We appreciate it very much. Of course, we have previous episodes of the podcast. So if this is your first one to listen to, make sure to go back and check out some of those other podcasts we have from Opportune. You can do that by finding the podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts these days. And of course, make sure to subscribe to stay up to date with the latest from Opportune. And of course, we'll be back soon with more episodes of the podcast. But until then, I've been your host today, Tyler Kern. Thanks so much for listening.